Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to the latest episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. In this episode, I am talking with Land Grant Holy Land columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, as I mentioned on another episode earlier this week when we were talking about recruiting, you are a high school football coach in that state up north. You will be coaching in the state championship game at Ford Field, the home of the Detroit Lions, on Friday. Then as soon as you win a state championship, you will be turning all of your attention to what will be happening at the Horseshoe, and that's what we are doing today. We're going to focus on the matchup in the game, but real quick before we get into that, what is the key for your guys, your wide receivers coach, what is going to be your key to winning the game on uh, Friday night for your state championship matchup? Well, I certainly appreciate the shout out. Uh, I think for us, the team that we're playing is actually an Upper Peninsula team. So I don't know if everyone knows this, but Michigan obviously has a lower and Upper Peninsula. But the teams don't play, um, you know, obviously different Peninsula schedules in terms of the regular season. So obviously most of the teams, the Upper Peninsula teams play will be around their area. Um, but for Michigan State Finals, they they travel all the way from the UP um, down to the lower peninsula to Detroit if they make it that far for our tournament. So the team that we're playing is a is more of a big uh, bruising, you know, kind of a power run scheme, if you will. Um, and on defense, they run a 4-4 cover three. Um, and if they're not in their cover three look, um, they run a ton of man coverage where their corners are pressed up against receivers. So for us, you know, as a receivers coach, this week is all about hand combat. It's all about quick releases off the line and then obviously restacking defensive backs and, you know, not to get too boring into scheme related stuff. I'm really, really excited about what our guys can do. Um, you know, on a big stage on Friday, we've got, I've got, you know, very talented receivers across the board, uh, seniors, juniors, and even uh, a couple younger guys too. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, capping, hopefully capping off the season with a bang, uh, you know, and lifting the trophy at the end of the year, being the last one standing. But I'm also really excited for our players as they have a great opportunity. And I think they're well prepared and ready for it. That's a perfect answer because that gives us a, a great segue into what Ohio State needs to do to come out on top in the game. Um, really for the first time since 2019, because you remember they did not play in 2020 because Michigan, and I said the name, I wasn't going to say it, but I said it anyway. Um, they had COVID issues in 2020 and then they won last year. So it's been a while since Ohio State has won in this rivalry game, despite the fact that for the past two decades, they have clearly dominated. Um, this seems to be a, a strength 
uh, versus weakness kind of thing on both sides of the ball for both teams. Um, that team up north's strength is obviously running the ball. Um, that tends to be a, a fairly decent strength for Ohio State on defense. Um, but one of the issues that they that Ohio State has had for years, really, in terms of defense, is covering mobile quarterbacks. And that is something that I think we're going to have to pay attention to with J.J. McCarthy this weekend. What does Ohio State's defense need to do to kind of keep him contained? Is that something where um, the defensive ends need to set the edge, or is this something where with, under Jim Knowles' defense, where they play so many safeties, they need to have a guy on the outside keeping him in? Is that someone like Steel Chambers who has the speed of a running back kind of spying? What do you think the best way to keep J.J. McCarthy from escaping the pocket and picking up yards with his legs uh, that, that Ohio State needs to do to make that happen? I think the pass rush is going to be everything uh, on Saturday. And I think what bodes well for Ohio State is that pass rush, especially the last couple of weeks, has looked really, really solid. And in my opinion, if they're able to continue the pass rush antics that they've had um, with Zach Harris and JT Tuamolo out and, you know, and on down the list, I think that's really what bodes well for this team. Uh, for me personally, I, I've been, you know, kind of a naysayer and obviously, um, more stronger than others in, in certain games, but what Ohio state has done in the secondary at the corner position has really bothered me all year long. And it's for me personally, it's, it's one of those things where what helps corners in coverage is a really good pass rush. Now I do not think Michigan's receivers are as good as Maryland's receivers that we saw last week. Maryland's right. got, you know, really good receivers. Rakeem Jarrett's a great player. Pro Obviously they did probably the job. second best. Yeah. Probably the second best receiving core in the conference behind Ohio state. Really. I would, I would 100% agree. Yep. I would 100% yeah. agree. But for me personally, when I think of Ohio state this week and what JJ brings to the table, for me personally, because Michigan's receivers are not as good as what they've seen even last week, I think that's going to be able to really help Ohio State's corner play out. And being that he is one of those guys, you know, that does like to scramble and extend the play, um, our pass rush has got to be there um, for whatever reason. Um, and I know people have hit on this already this week and, you know, the last several weeks, but it just doesn't look like Michigan lets J.J. McCarthy you know, really air it out. And I don't know if that's because they don't trust him and his arm personally. I don't know if that's because their backup quarterback is hurt right now. And if anything happens to him, they're in big trouble. I don't know if it's maybe because the receivers aren't good. Maybe it could be a combination of all three. I'm not really sure. But in my opinion, what settles anything um, even close to that is having a really good pass rush. And I think we'll see that on Saturday because they've really been, you know, looking really solid the last several weeks. And I think obviously with the motivation of last year, they'll be geared up for this one. And what's interesting about that, you're talking about the pass rush from the Ohio State perspective. On the flip side of that, last year, um, Jim Harbaugh's team really put a lot of pressure on C.J. Stroud. And obviously they had Aiden Hutchinson, who was an absolute beast, and David Ajabo, who was not as good as Hutchinson probably, but a very good pass rusher as well. And we've seen even this year in his second year as a starter – like most quarterbacks, when C.J. Stroud is pressured, his fundamentals break down. He makes some bad decisions. He um, That's really the only time you can really see him kind of break down and not be the best quarterback in the country is when you're able to get some pressure on him. He seems to kind of try to be a gunslinger a little bit more than he does when he has time to set his feet. Um, I know that 
the offensive line is probably better pass blocking than run blocking. And we're probably going to have at least one new starter on the offensive line this weekend. It seems like Matt Jones will be out. So I don't know if that's going to be Josh Fryer or Inakva Mahi going to be starting in his place. But what do you think Ohio State can do to kind of make sure that C.J. Stroud is comfortable throwing the ball, not having to... I mean, he's actually, I think he's done pretty well moving the pocket, but he, when he's gotten pressure, he's, you've seen him throw off his back foot, throw it high, um, kind of sail some balls. He probably should have four or five more interceptions than he actually does because some of those balls that he just threw up probably should have been intercepted. Uh, but to me, that's the key to make sure Ohio State wins the game is to keep Stroud clean and to give him the opportunity to throw the ball as well as he can and not have to rush things. Yeah, I think it starts on the edge, obviously, with the with the offensive tackles, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. So and I actually saw a stat that was really cool. Um, it was by Pro Football Focus. They they put up a stat of Ohio State's tackles, uh, Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, as I mentioned, in in 630 pass blocking snaps. So anytime CJ is dropping back for the pass, they have allowed combined zero sacks all year, which is sure. next to incredible. So I mean, that's nothing short of amazing, uh, in my humble opinion. So and I think what helps Ohio State is Ohio State has the tackles on the outside to go up against Michigan's defensive line where their best players on that line are their exterior edge rushers. So if Ohio state is going to be able to continue their dominance on the offensive line in terms of the tackle play, I think that really helps CJ continue uh, to, you know, do what he does. And, and we've seen it. He does like to, you know, step up in the pocket. He does not like to leave the pocket, as you mentioned. And when he's on the run for me personally, I get a little bit worried because like you said, he can throw off his back foot. He just doesn't look super comfortable scrambling and really nor should he because he just doesn't do it a lot. So for me, if, you know, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones are able to continue doing what they've been doing all year and really help CJ in terms of protection, I think that's going to really help him. The other thing too, obviously, is they've got to be able to run the football and whether it's Dallin Hayden being the only fresh running back they have right now, or if it's the combination of Mayan and Travion, if they're even a little bit healthy, whatever it is, whoever it is, they have to be able to continue to run the ball. And in my opinion, and we've seen it in this game so many times. The team that runs the ball more effectively is the team that usually wins, uh, you know, more times than not. So for me, if they're able to, you know, control a little bit of the exterior on the offensive line with the defensive line that is obviously going to be creating pressure and they're able to run the ball even at least a little bit effectively, I think that's going to help C.J. Stroud have a really big day in the pass game. Because as we've seen, you know, all year to this point, I do not think you know, Michigan's cornerbacks in their secondary is the, is the best secondary Ohio State's seen. And even when Ohio State sees a really, really solid secondary, we've seen CJ be able to pick these guys apart because of, you know, who he's got going against, uh, you know, those defensive backs at receiver with Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and other guys like that. Yeah. I you know, Talking about the running game, like I, first off, I wrote something right, uh, you know, after the game that I think it would be foolish not to start Dallin Hayden and to make him your primary back. I think it is pretty clear that Travion Henderson is nowhere close to being 100 uh, percent. He ended up being in a walking boot after the game, and we, uh, there were reports that he was in a walking boot on Monday. Uh, no matter how much he wants to play, no matter how healthy and how good he looks during the week, I think it's pretty clear that he is not going to be in a position to contribute on Saturday, he was, I think he had a, a, a 1.7 yards per attempt on Saturday against Maryland. Not ideal. I, I think he's a great back, but I think that we need to just make sure that he sits down and maybe he's back for whatever bowl game or playoff game might happen. Mayan Williams, 
I, I tend to lean in the direction of kind of thinking the same thing. He has been a guy who has gotten hurt and come back and then has gotten hurt again. And I don't know if those are re-aggravating the same injuries. But to me, I just feel like having a guy like Dallin Hayden, who is, I mean, maybe nobody's 100% at this point in the season, but 95% of Dallin Hayden seems to me to be better than 70% of Mayan Williams or 60% of Travion Henderson. So for me... I'd like to see Dallin Hayden do it. And and I think that one of the things that I've had issues with Ryan Day all season is this. I understand why he wants to run the ball and wants to you know talk about this toughness that he's talked about all season because that was an issue last year. But I don't think that you have to run the ball in a power running situation to be a competent running team. This is not a team that is built for that, in my opinion. And you might disagree because you're a bigger offensive expert than me. But rather than running the ball to set up the pass, I think they need to, to pass the ball to set up the run. The run should be the change of pace, not the other way around. So if that means getting the ball out of CJ's hands quickly, um, you know, maybe throwing some of those um, slants and mesh routes that we haven't seen a whole lot of over the middle, get rid of the stupid ass bubble screens, but, you know, do those <laughs> things to loosen people up and then run the ball when, when, when Michigan has kind of taken their seventh and eighth man out of the box. That's when you take advantage of that. So to me, it just feels like Ryan Day, if I can see that and I'm an idiot and know nothing about football, like <laughs> either Ryan Day is choosing not to do that. And I'm going off on a tangent, so I apologize. But like, I almost feel like he's doing it. He has to be doing it on purpose. Like he has to be trying to show something against lesser competition so that Michigan or Georgia or whomever they play in the postseason doesn't have actually who they are on film. Am I like hoping too much? Does that make sense at all, Caleb? Because like it, what Ryan Day has been doing in a lot of situations has made no sense to me. No, I, and I'm with you. I, I, I mean, I put this on our Slack channel before. I mean, and I've done it a couple of times, especially the last two weeks. Because I've been, I've been on, honestly like a little bit just kind of irritated. If I'm being blunt with it, it's it's been one of those things where I'm a big believer, and you have to play toward your strengths, and you're adapting to what your players can do. So for me, on our high school football team, even though it is a lower level, this is what the best coaches do at any level. I mean, in, in the NFL, it's a little bit different, obviously, because those guys are, you know, the, the best of their craft in the entire world. But especially at the college level, you're running schemes and you're running systems that fit your players' strong suits a lot. And we've seen this from several different, like even alumni, like I watch, you know, rivals.com's podcast and they've got former players on those podcasts talking about, you know, the run gap schemes and, and everything they do. Ohio state is just there. It's like, they're just completely strong on running zone type of run fronts. And for me, it's, that's great. But if you can't get the movement on the outside, the perimeter run game, and you can't get to the edge, you've got to switch it up. You've got to run gap schemes. You've got to run different types of power. You don't always have to run, you know, zone. And it's like Ryan Day said it, uh, you know, several times in his press conference that it's been irritating for him that he's frustrated with the short yarded stuff. But at the same no, sure. time, like if it's, if you're continuing to do the same thing and you're not seeing any improvements, well, Hey, guess what, buddy? It might be time to change things. Now, again, I'm a high school football coach. I don't tend to even try to, to know, you know, what the level of football these guys know in terms of their football IQ. But for me, it's if I can see certain things and people are saying certain things that I, you know, I've also noticed that it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing? But then you hear again, you know, Ryan Day talk yesterday or today, and he says, you know, all the chips are in, you know, th all this stuff and, you know, this, that and the other in terms of, you know, everything's going to be in for this game. 
it, it's almost like, you know, there have to be some, you know, tricks up his sleeve or there's got to be extra stuff, you know, in his bag of offense that, you know, he's ready to unveil, um, you know, kind of stuff on, on this coming Saturday. And I hope that's the case because, again, for me, when I watch this offense, I agree with you. This team is a absolute, you know, it's almost like a, it's a production when it comes to the pass game, they do some incredible things because they have a wonderful, you know, set of talent that is on that field. I mean, CJ Stroud, I mean, I don't need to go on a tangent there. Everybody knows it, but you've got receivers that can do a great deal and a great amount of things. And it's not just, you know, their route running. I mean, everything they do is, you know, is superb. But like, like I said, when I watch some of the things that they do, you're like, what in the world is going on? You, the bubble, the bubble, like you said, that that doesn't work. Like it doesn't work, uh, and it can, but it depends on what the defense is doing. Like if they're playing off of you, you can run Man. that bubble. When they're pressed up, that's a that that's a no win situation. And I don't understand why they don't check out. And of the it. blocking has been bad with it too. It it's like if you're going to do it, like you've got to make sure that Cade Stover gets the blocks. The other wide receivers get the blocks. And I think Cade and the and the wide receivers are actually really good blockers but in those situations they have not been able to do it in those bubble screens and so i'm like unless you are showing that so often that you're going to show that look against michigan and then throw it deep to marvin harrison like don't do it like if you're just setting it up for that play and it works awesome great that's fantastic but like it's so frustrating if you think that is actually something that is going to be effective on a regular basis I could not, and I could not agree with you more. Cause I mean, for us at the, like I said, at the high school level, again, the perimeter run game for us in the bubbles, the bubble slants, all, all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever you're trying to do to your receivers, that is an extension of the run game. And I know urban Meyer has said this before. It, it's almost like an extended handoff and that's great. But when the corner is playing pressed up against your number one receiver, and that's the guy that you have to block, he's already in that area. That, that's a really, really not only a dangerous throw, but it's hard to hold that block for that long. You have zero space to be able to do it. So, again, I, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I'm just hopeful that Saturday they show some things that they haven't shown all year. And that goes to say that the things that haven't always worked this year, I'm hopeful that because they're more talented than their opponent and because they have better players than their opponents, they've been able to do things and kind of get away with some, you know, get away with some things that you probably can't get away with, you know, against the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas of the world or, or what have you. So I'm hopeful that some of those things that we've seen this year go by the wayside this coming Saturday when they, you know, play obviously in the biggest game of the season you know, against their hated rival. And, and I'm, again, like I said, I'm just, I'm hopeful that what works continues to work, but some of this new stuff that, you know, maybe they'll be able to show on Saturday. I think that, I think that can be the difference maker as well, too. I hope so. I mean, even dating back to like the Jim Trestle era, it was a joke with, uh, in my family, like me and my dad would both say, whenever the offense just looked horrible, we would just say, Oh, I mean, they're clearly saving stuff for Michigan. I mean, that's yeah. obviously <laughs> why the offense looks horrible. And of course, this office doesn't look horrible, right. um, but it has looked frustrating at times. And I've written about it. I mean, I, I mean, the first time I wrote about Ryan Day giving up play calling duties was before the Rose Bowl last year. Right. And everyone has said I'm an idiot this entire time. But now that other people are starting to talk about his play calling, like I feel a little bit more vindicated, even if people still tell me I'm an idiot every time I bring it up. <laughs> no. Let's wrap up here. We talked about it on offense. We talked a little bit about trying to keep J.J. McCarthy um, contained on defense. But Ohio State has done fairly well against the run this season. I don't really – I'm – you know, you talked about the cornerbacks not being great for Ohio State. I, I will say that, like, now that Cam Brown seems to be back and 100% healthy, I feel like that's one guy who is – 
been fairly consistent and it's just about finding the other guy on the other side. And I don't know right. who that's going to be. I don't know if that's going to be Denzel Burke or JK Johnson or Jair Brown or if Jordan Hancock's healthy. I, I don't know. I don't think they've found that yet, but I am happy that Cam Brown seems to kind of solidified one of those spots. I don't know that they need two great cornerbacks to be quite honest with you against uh, the rival this weekend. But when it comes to the running game, Ohio State's been fairly good. The difference has been though, that they've mostly done it in their typical 4-2-5 defense. Do you think that there's the chance, which we've seen at times throughout the year, that Jim Knowles goes with a more traditional 4-3 look? Do you think we get more Cody Simon in there? Or do you think that he kind of rolls the dice and maybe plays a bigger safety like Josh Proctor as the guy who comes up and fills that what would be a third linebacker spot to kind of stick with the... uh, stick with the regular scheme, but kind of hedge more towards, uh, you know, a, 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 a run centered offense. I think for me, I kind of look at, and, and it's two different things, which, you know, probably isn't a great answer right off the bat, but I think formationally, whatever Michigan gets into formationally on offense, you have to be able to counter that with a package on defense that suits it well. So if they're spread out, the four two five is wonderful. Do your base defense, do your thing, you know, sugar it with the, the blitzing pressures that they do and disguising coverages, do what Jim Knowles is great at. However, if they continue to have, you know, that the second tight end on the field, in my opinion, I have flashbacks of last year where they just sat in the same stinking base defense and got bullied up front because they didn't have the size. They didn't have the push up front to be able to withstand that. And, and for me, it's, it's real simple. When you've got seven down linemen, five down linemen, two tight ends, that's seven dudes. And you're showing me a four, two, five box. Like I, I'm going to run at your face all day. There's six guys in the box. There's seven down linemen. That's seven versus six. Plus I have the ball. So now I'm eight versus six and I'm going to run the ball all day. I don't care if you take a nickel guy and put him into the box. If my tight end is blocking a nickel guy, I like my chances, especially when, you know, last year, obviously Michigan had some size up front um, and obviously at the tight end position too. So for me, again, I I think what Jim Knowles is great at is scheming. Um, For me personally, it's just going to be based on what they come out in offensively. And, And I do, I think if they spread it out, have a three receiver set or even a two receiver set, I think that four, two, five, can do some certain things, especially with the better linebacker play that we're seeing this year. What killed Ohio State last year is the fact that by the time Michigan running backs got to the second level, you know, our linebackers were all over, you know, lost in space. This year, that's not the case. Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg have been phenomenal. And I'm, I'm so happy, you know, with the level of play that they're bringing right now. But for me, again, whatever the offense shows, you've got to be able to match. And if you don't do that, you're going to get bullied. And I think Jim Knowles personally is smarter and smart enough to know that, you know, what happened last year was because of the scheme. It was not, in my opinion, anything to do with talent. It was 100% to do with the scheme. And I think that's, you know, that's got to be the difference this coming year on Saturday is, you know, we've got to be able to play to our strengths. And I think this year having Jim Knowles is going to be a big part of the reason why they're able to do so. The only thing that I will push back with you on there is you said that it was all about the scheme. I think it was scheme and coaching. I, I yes, think that's that, what I mean. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. It's, I mean, I, I just don't think they were taught very well right. uh, 100% last agree. year. And, and I think that is completely different this year. I think Ohio State's, if you look at like the raw numbers statistically for Ohio State's defense, I don't think Ohio State's actually as good as their numbers probably say on defense. I think they've played some pretty pathetic offenses, to be quite honest with you. And so that's helped them, but they are still miles better than they were last year. So I, I think that, I don't think that Ohio State has to have 
like the best defense in the country to win the game. I think that if they are able to make Michigan um, get behind early in, in drives and get behind the sticks a little bit so they aren't just able to run the ball four, five, six yards every time, that'll be enough to eventually get some punts out of them. And if Ohio State can, as we talked about earlier, give C.J. Stroud some time to make throws, I just I, I don't think there's a team in the country that can stop Ohio State's passing attack if C.J. Stroud has time. So I think a lot's going to come, you know, as it often does in this game, it's all going to be about who wins the line of scrimmage. And it's not going to be necessarily in the typical who's going to be the power pushing the line one way or the other for the run game. Uh, but I think for Ohio State's case, it, it certainly is going to be about pass blocking. And on the other side, it's going to be about who has the the numbers advantage in the box uh, when Ohio State or when uh, when Michigan tries to run the ball. So it'll be interesting. Caleb, before we get you out of here, do you have a score prediction yet? We are recording this, uh, uh, full disclosure, pretty early in the week, and you are getting ready for a state championship game of your own. But do you have any kind of score prediction or even not if a score, just like what you think will happen on Saturday? I do. So our head coach, who is obviously a good buddy of mine for our high school team, is a diehard uh, Michigan fan. My best friend, okay. who is our defensive coordinator, is a Michigan fan. So they will not hear this because they do not listen to us, which is probably <laughs> for a good thing because I tend to keep uh, my fanship close to the vest because they are so annoying. Um, and That's I don't want to be as annoying as they are. Um, and if they do hear this, that you know who you are. Um, so we'll, we'll have to talk about this tomorrow at practice. But my score prediction, if Blake Corum plays and is healthy, which I do not think he is, if Blake Corum plays, I think Ohio State wins 31 to 20. If Blake Corum does not play, I do think Ohio State's going to be able to do a little bit better than 31-20. I'm going to go with 35-17. to That is my final prediction if he doesn't play. So I kind of have two. Um, for me personally, yeah, I, think, I think what happens with, in my opinion, with Michigan's offense is Blake Corum is the engine to that machine. I have watched a lot of Michigan football this year, not because I like them, um, but because you tend to keep your eye close to your closest allies and even closer to your worst enemies. So for me, I have watched them because I want to see how Ohio State matches up from week to week. Um, and both teams have had, you know, their struggles. They've had their fair share of really, really good success. And then obviously a couple, a couple of games where you're like, what in the world is going on? And obviously, you know, Ohio State this past weekend with Maryland, Michigan looked worse than Ohio State did against Illinois. Granted, Illinois might have the better team if you will, but yeah. I do not think they are as talented as Maryland. And what we saw from Maryland's game against Michigan, it was even a closer game. So um, I think I have to put that into perspective and not to go too long winded on this, but what I've seen is Blake Corm is the machine or the engine to the, to that machine. And if they don't have him when they don't have him and when he's not on the field, they are not as diverse and they are certainly not as effective as they are when they do have him. So that's kind of my prediction. But if I had to go um, just with a set prediction, if he plays, I'm going to go with 31 to 20 and hopefully, uh, hopefully that's the case, but um, you know, we'll see how it goes. This is the first time they've had to step into Ohio stadium in quite some time. Um, 2020, they should have been there and we don't need to get into all that. Um, but I do think the Ryan day grew up on third base or was born on third base quotes, um, from last year. I think that has haunted him for 364 days. And I really do think that this team's going to come out playing pissed off. And I hope I see that because it's been a long time, um, for me 
you know, at least this year to, to see all these fans that again, think that they're back and it's, you know, one game in the last, you know, 10 years that they've won. So for me personally, I, I'm really rooting for Ohio state to put them back into their, their actual place, which probably sounds extremely arrogant and egotistical, but at the same for time, Ohio I state live, fans, yeah, I live up in this, I live in this state up North and good grief. I am ready for it to stop. So yeah. even though it's only been one year, <laughs> no, no, that's more than enough. That's all you need. I mean, and look, we've seen, how difficult it can be for running backs to come back after injuries. And I'm not hundred percent sure what the injury is. It looked like it might've been a little bit of a hyperextension for Blake Corum, uh, on his, on his knee or on, on his, on his leg. Um, who knows how bad it was. He did try to come back in the second half of that game and only played like one snap. So he was out delivering turkeys for charity on Sunday and looked yep. like he was walking. Okay. But we've also heard how great, Trevion Henderson was during practice last week right. and he looked horrible in the game. So running backs are tough. Donovan Edwards, I'm assuming will be back, uh, but he is not Blake Corum. And so if, 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 if you give me just Donovan Edwards, I think he is a more than serviceable back serviceable back. And I think he's a very good running back, but he's not the game changer like Blake Corum. I'll have a prediction later in the week. And depending on when this comes out, who knows, but I, I, I think I'm in the same ballpark as you. I, I think Ohio State's going to give up some points, um, but I, 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 I just kind of f- I'm feeling in the 35-21 range uh, as well. So very similar to yours, and I'll I'll refine that as it gets closer. My official score prediction will come out on Saturday in the podcast I do then. But like I, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, I think. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this one. I mean, obviously that you know that's kind of tooth and nail a little bit. I mean, to be excited about the biggest game of the season, uh, you know, for me, and, I, and again, I go back to, you know, the buddies that I'm, that I'm very close with. I mean, even though they are Michigan fans, these are my best friends. So, I mean, I, I love, love, you know, kind of, you know, messing with them and going, you know, through that kind of stuff. Uh, but for me, th- and they've even said it, this team is not the same when they don't have Blake Quorum on the field. And they've, they had some other injuries this week too, um, you know, in that game. Yeah. So um, I think both teams are not limping in by any means, but you know, they're, they're not feeling great. And certain spots. So I think that'll kind of, you know, hedge the bet a little bit in terms of like, you know, how many points can be put on the board. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch this defense fly around uh, and, and hopefully, like we said, you know, avenge the loss of last year. And if anybody can do it, I do think it's Jim Knowles and what he can do. Yeah, they had some uh, some injuries on the defensive line as well. So we'll see what happens with that uh, moving into the uh, to the rest of this uh, to the rest of the week. But we will definitely see. But all right, Caleb, let's get you out of here. I know you probably got film to go watch or something tonight uh, for or maybe go to bed and to get up early and, <laughs> and watch it. Um, again, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, we're going to have multiple podcast episodes every day this week heading up to the game on Saturday and throughout the rest of college football season. So if you are not already subscribed to the Land Grant Holy Land podcast feed, make sure that you are subscribed. You get content that you cannot get anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at Matt. Caleb, you're Caleb Hauser 9, correct? That is correct. All right. Good luck to you uh, at Ford Field on Friday night. We will be rooting for you. I I think it's tough if you don't live in the uh, the the market to get Bally Sports uh, Detroit. But uh, if anybody is in that area and can't get that channel, you should tune in. What what tell the people what high school you are so they know which game to look out for. I am at the greatest high school in the state of Michigan. Uh, there's no bias there, obviously. Uh, you know, knock on wood that we're we're gonna win another one. But I am at Grand Rapids West Catholic High School. We are actually one of the smaller schools uh, in our area, um, but we've. 
we've got a good thing going. I'm, I'm super proud of our kids. And yeah, if anyone tunes in and sees me on the sees me on TV or whatever, just just know that I am in the state up north, but I am doing the Lord's work up here and making our kids, you know, firm believers that the Buckeyes are the better team. So I'm good doing what you. I can. <laughs> good for you. I appreciate that. All right, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. 